I'm Murphy, John Murphy. And I'm Humes, Christian Humes. And you're listening to Watchworld. Welcome back, everybody. This is, uh, I don't know, episode eight, nine, I forget which one we're actually on. Uh, but we are continuing our Bond watching fun times. And we are continuing on with the 1985 classic, for many reasons, A View to a Kill. This is Roger Moore's last movie before he hunted up. He was 56 at the time of filming, and it was 57 by the time it was released. So this is the ultimate Grandpa Bond. Christian, I know you were a big fan of Moonraker, and this is a very similar movie in the campiness. Um, So what did you think of A View to a Kill? I actually think in some ways it's better than Moonraker. Um, Really? Yeah, like, I love the campiness of Moonraker and how they, like, go to space and Jaws and all that stuff. Um, But uh, the execution on it and um, I think maybe because the plot was so big, some of it, I think, wasn't as tight. And this felt like they did the best job with sort of everything Roger Moore so far that I've seen. Uh, It was just tighter. The campy parts were really campy. The action parts were really action-heavy. Um it was a completely like ludicrous plot, like what the villain wanted to do, but also not like totally insane where like you have bond in space. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of loved everything about it. It was this, this is, he's, I think this is one of my favorite James Bond movies now. Really? Uh, I mean, it's so I, I think this is an enjoyable watch. I don't think yeah. it's a good movie, but it is definitely not boring to degree. And at times, it is that kind of so bad it's good type of quality to some parts of it. Um, Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. So I think it's just fun the whole time. The way I would describe actually this movie was, it's not a good movie, but it I got the sense that this would have been a really fun movie to work on. Oh, yeah. It felt like it was a party the whole time. Yeah. And that everyone was like enjoying themselves and like they got to go to these cool locations and like everyone's like not really taking it seriously and so like it seems just a little more relaxed overall um which is i got the sense so like i would have loved to like work on this movie if i was like yeah on set it seemed, it seemed like it was a blast that's yeah that's that's the one big takeaway I, I get from a lot of these roger moore movies feel felt like for the most part they felt like a blast like they're like these just <laughs> traveling parties that go around the world yeah but i think the thing that's different about this one is i think they knew what they were making when they made it because all the other ones have mixes of like trying to be really sincere or serious or like cool as well as like just like weird goofy campy stuff where it almost felt like self-parody and this was like this didn't feel like parody this just felt like oh we're just we're just gonna have a fun action spy movie and that's all it is and that's what it's gonna be the whole time yeah and i I think bond at post connery era you know, as you get more air, they're kind of just taking influences from whatever's popular at the time. So with yeah. Moonraker, it was Star Wars, um, you know, and then it's the pendulum spun back and Four Years Eyes Only, which we watched. It was doing a more spy-y kind of story, um, more back to the source material. And then it kind of swings back again towards this one where it's like, oh, let's go back towards this kind of campy funness and make it kind of crazy and yeah uh go back to that previous formula and i think as far as influences there's a lot of spielberg in this movie in the sense oh that yeah i a, could feel that yeah a lot of these kind of like side gags and these sort of minor 
things that are, are going on that kind of make it like adding jokes. Yes. Um, I'm mostly noting when like they, there's the fire truck chase and it's like they knock off that like tra- trailer tractor and there's like the couple that's just like sleeping. And they well, I mean, wake also up. when like the Beach Boys come on. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know? Not even the Beach Boys, a licensed like other version of a Beach Boys song. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, let's dive into it a little bit. Um, this one, because we're going in book order, this was a short story in the For Your Eyes Only compilation. For some reason, they chopped off the word from because in the book, it's from a view to a kill. And this one, they just decided to just go a view to a kill for some reason, which grammatically, it doesn't really even make any sense. No, I, in fact, I kept thinking it was just a view to kill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the story in the short is like nothing what's here. It's I think it's like Bond is tracking down some assassin that's like killing off some messenger and so he like poses the messenger to stop this assassin it's it's just like kind of this like short no nothing kind of story so um so the the movie plot has nothing to do with the the title or the the, the story it's taken from but we open in i think it's siberia yes but they film it in iceland um (laughs) so the iconic uh ice flows of the the glacier stuff but um I actually really enjoyed this first sequ- the opening sequence. I think it's great. It's uh you get you get a bit of the campiness like like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Bond invents snowboarding in the But midst. it didn't it didn't undermine the action because when it opened and they were skiing, you know like I said last week I said absolutely give me some action skiing in Bond. I was pumped for it in the last movie and mm, uh, or I guess two movies ago, not Quantum of Solace, but um your eyes only and it was just like suddenly like it just it was just there were no stakes it, it didn't seem scary well this but felt this natural like, yeah where, this where was it's... awesome it was you know this is what you want with bond you want you want high stakes skiing with guns and people shooting at each other and crazy shit and then all of a sudden the music comes on and i'm like oh here we go and i was like no actually this works this totally works <laughs> yeah I, I love how he oh first like it's kind of a brutal opening when he finds his like dead agent mate and it's like dude wiping his face awesome which is crazy um and then he he finds this microchip in like the locket and um i wish they followed up on that somehow i wanted to like know who that family was and like him having to like uh, it's the movie's too campy to do this but it you know him having to like go visit the the dead the family of the dead agent that would have been interesting um but i actually wrote like notes at the beginning just because i was like so taken aback by how good the skiing was compared to the last time they had him ski and so what i wrote was i was like oh yeah skiing started much better actual action with the skiing i was like music switch was fine and campy but partially because it was short and the music didn't blow <laughs> because that was the other problem with the music they chose last time it was just like it was terrible yeah this one they, they, they like after four eyes only they swung back to the more traditional john barry type score for yeah octopussy in this one and it definitely helps i think make it feel more timeless big time and it really helps and even though yes they do use a beach boys song for when he picks up a snowboard and starts snowboarding he he foils the the russians Fugger's eyes only had like a flute at the beginning of whatever crap song that was. This was this was like a good song, and it's also a somewhat timeless song because it's super old, and I can still you know I recognize it. Um, and it's thematically correct because it's sort of about like surfing and things. And here he is surfing on the snow in Siberia. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thinking about California girls. 
It was great. I mean, it does eventually end in California, so it kind of thematically makes sense. Yeah. The movie. Um, well, and, and it, you know, he was snowboarding, but it was basically back then, like, people hadn't seen snowboarding. So it was basically like he was ski, like, surfing on yeah. the snow, you yeah, know? It, it, and yeah. he does the whole thing on the water with the wave. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Except, you know, it, it is so, this movie is, like, the most because I think Roger Moore is very old by this point. It is aggressive how you can tell the difference between stuntman and Moore. <laughs> and in this one, it's so obvious. Like, and I think I read about how Moore never went to Iceland. All his stuff is filmed wow. in the studio. So if you look all his close-ups, it's clearly, it's just like him in the studio snow. And then it's like, anytime it's in Iceland, it's a stunt, a stunt person doing it. Wow. So Roger Moore never had to travel to do that scene. <laughs> he stayed in England for everything. So, um, you know, I, overall, I think the the uh, skiing stuff's great. Um, when he gets to the secret submarine that's made out of ice, whatever the cover, and there's just the random agent lady that's assigned to be his co-pilot. <laughs> oh, John, you, you can't forget about the flare gun. Oh yeah, he, shoot he the shoots gun the flare gun into the helicopter. Into the helicopter. Cool. Come on, that was great. That was great. Yeah, that, that was, cool. was great. And then when when we saw the sub, I was like, wait, is it they gonna have Captain Britain in there? Because it just looked like Captain America's shield with the British flag <laughs> on it. I was like, wait, what is this? Yeah, a little <laughs> he's hatch trapped open. in ice. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like the interior of the sub is just like a a luxury romantic like interior. Great. And I'm like. And Bond, it's like, he, they mentioned, he's like, oh, we have, like, five days to, like, get back to England. And it's like, all he brought was beluga caviar and vodka. Like, <laughs> So it's like Bond and this woman are going to just basically have sex and eat caviar and drink vodka this whole time. I think you're going to do that for the first day, and then everything's just going to be gross and smell bad. And you're going to be like, let's just... <laughs> try to eat as little as possible until we get back. They're gonna go the rest of the way with like the hatch open to get the air yeah. like going out. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things where in in the moment you're like, oh yeah, Bond is supposed to be like he's sexy and blah blah blah. But in practicality, you're thinking like, mm, this is very strange, very yeah. strange setup. Um, but yeah, so that's the opening sequence. We get into a great song uh, by Duran Duran. You know, of yeah. you to a kill. Uh, I think this was the only. This is the only one that actually was a, I think, a number one hit or a, a like a, almost a up there, I think, as far as in the charts. Are they the ones that had the whole lip syncing thing? N- no, they, they were actually a pretty good band. Durand Durand. Oh, OK. So. Yeah, I can't remember these old bands, you know. So, But this one, like, it's a great song because it's a great song on its own. Yeah. I like the music video with the UV lights. Yeah. There's some really they do some cool stuff. Like I love when she opens up her little like vest thing and then they painted with the UV light, the 007 between the cleavage, and it just kind of expands. You're like, okay, this is weird, but all right, it's fine. Um, but great song. Um, it's very clear this movie represented a real transition into more modern themes and action and sounds, just because from this music video alone, I was like, oh, it suddenly sounds like the 80s. Like, the other Roger Moore stuff felt and looked and sounded like the 70s. Yeah, it's... Four Eyes Only was, even though it is like 81, I think, it's it's still very late 70s it's disco so era. so 70s, um, yeah. So that, yeah, it doesn't really catch up yet until I think this one, um, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, and uh, yeah, I would, I would agree. This one felt definitely more, it's smack dab in the 80s. Um, that's why we, like, the whole plot's about goddamn microchips. 
so the next the next movie chronologically that like actually released that would be a Pierce Brosnan. Uh, you know, Timothy Dalton. Timothy, right? I forget. I was like, I was like, it can't jump that quickly to him. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and when and when we get to that, you'll see the trans. That's more of the transitionary point where you see like, oh, I can see the early workings of what will become Brosnan's era. Of, yeah, like more modern, but it still kind of has that blend between this era and that. Um, you know, and it was supposed to be Brosnan's entry, but I think we I mentioned that last episode he was going to play Bond in 87, but then last minute his TV contract got renewed and he got right, stuck right. playing on the show. So he couldn't. And now he it. just does Mamma Mia movies. And he's great. Yeah. Great guy. Great actor. I love him. Um, but yeah, microchips. This is all about microchips. This is, it's the new gold and oil and everything. And, you know, Technology. Com- computers were so fun back in the day. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was the point where they were becoming something right because it would be the same year where like the nintendo the first famicom is released you know so it's like we are at the point where computers are becoming a thing that people are going to use them for entertainment and fun so it's like you you could see the people that knew they were like this is it this is all that's going to matter in the future yeah so it's yeah i it makes sense to do it this time. Um, yeah. We, we'll get into the actual logistics of the plot and how it makes no oh, sense. Oh, it's so good. It's um, so good. But uh, I just want to point out, uh, this was Lois Maxwell, who plays Money Play. This is her last movie, ah. um, along with Roger Moore. Um, and, you know, I think they gave her, they have a nice little moment in the beginning here. Um, it's like a, a nice send-off, I think, for both of them. And some yeah. As, like, their relationship, which is great. Um, you know, but they were both starting to get up here in age and i think they wanted to start <laughs> i think they, they felt like they needed to retire yeah at this point being these movies um i love how like when bond... i always thought it would be fun if the old bond would just become the new m yeah like you just take over yeah and so like you know and he doesn't actually pretend to be like formerly james bond he just you just take that actor and let them be you know <laughs> yeah or yeah okay yeah i get what you're saying like it's the actor would then play M. Yeah. And but but and there would be a James Bond, but they would not be the same character. It would be correct, a, yeah. A different character of M. Got it. Yeah, that could be like an interesting like if we saw Sean Connery yeah. like as M for most of this transition period. And then Roger Moore played M later. He I think Moore though would be too charming and too likable to like I think play kind of M though. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's so it's so t- Man, it's just you know I mean, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to it. But Judy Dench is it's great, just incredible. Great, I feel so when Bond goes to see, visit M. Like I love how he, you know the defense minister and M are like waiting and they're having to get this like robot lesson from Q, who's just showing off his like spy RC car, and you're just like, I bet they were like, oh Bond, thank God you're here. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's just so funny. I've been hanging out with these nerds all day. Yeah, I'm just like God. Um, but yeah, the I think the Q gives him the rundown of where the the microchip that Bond found off the dead body, and connects it back to this guy Max Zorin. Yeah, and it's the Zorin Industries. Who at yeah. the beginning of the movie, I don't know if you noticed this, there was a disclaimer. It said Zorin is not associated with like Zorin jewelry or whatever. It was the first time they actually had to do this because there was an actual company called Zorin Industries that they w- didn't have to distinguish them. This is not them. 
<laughs> See, and I later wondered if they if they picked the name Zorin because of uh, Zeppelin, like on the blimps where that used to say, like the Zeppelin blimps that would say Zeppelin, and this has Zorin on it. You'd think. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's possible. I think they want, obviously, I think it has to, it, he's claimed to be French or a French industrialist yeah. in the thing. So I guess maybe it kind of has to sound French a little bit. Yeah. I'm not too sure. Um, well, and Zorro. Because there's the Zorro mask character in the yeah. movie, but yeah, um, who is played by in this movie the wonderful Christopher Walken? So good. Did I you... mean, that's that's what what makes this movie so good, right? Is it's like uh, Mayday and um, Christopher Walken. I'm just Zorin. gonna keep calling him that. Yeah, but I'm just gonna end up calling him Christopher Walken. I can just call him Max. Max Mayday and Max were great. They're so weird and it's cool and I like it. Um, yeah. Though I would have, act, as much as I love Walken, I think he's a. They don't quite know what to do with this character a little bit or like what his direction is because they constantly say because he's a, a steroid baby that he's psychotic, and he just like his. I guess his note was like just be bemused by everything, and so Walken is constantly just like giggling about things, and you're just kind of like. It's not really psychotic. He just seems like amused. <laughs> yeah, which like it's he's a sociopath. That's yeah. like the difference, right? Like he he doesn't like empathize. He just finds humor in it. But he's also not like a madman. Um, do you know what I just realized is Mayday has almost the exact same plot, like sort of as Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's 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 almost the same movie as Moonraker for the most part. <laughs> this is why I like it so much. Yeah. <laughs> It's they just they, they don't really change a lot of elements and they just start changing out the people in them and it's hilarious. But did you know that the first person they went to to play Ma- offer Max Zorin was David Bowie, um, which was oh I believe that 100%. very interesting. But he declined because he's I think he said that he didn't want to spend six months watching a stuntman do everything. So <laughs> <laughs> so that makes sense. And then they went to Sting after that, and then finally after Sting declined, they went to Christopher Walken who, who agreed. <laughs> And that's one of the fun things, though, is about James Bond is I don't think, like, the modern ones, they definitely still take themselves seriously, but they always, they like to just, like, get these big names, regardless of whether or not they're, like, actually the better actors to do it. They're like, no, we just want to have, like, really charismatic people. Yeah, I think, which is, I think, a good strategy overall. I think. Yeah. Though it is fun when you take these kind of risky, inspired casting choices and try to make them work, I think. They've, they work in some movies of these older ones, and then yeah. other ones, they kind of fall flat a little bit. 100%. But whereas nowadays, it's like, let's get, I think, a big name that's also a really intimidating actor and someone that can kind of play well off of Craig or whoever they're going to yeah. play somewhere. Or they just have to, like, look weird or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, do some deformity or some sort of weird, strange thing. Yeah, or have yeah. weird beady eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Different like that. Um we spent a lot of time with horses in this early part um, yeah. because I actually liked this whole opening race it was sequence great. where it's like you, you have, you have all, the whole gang there. You got Bond, Money Penny, Q. We're introduced to Sir Godfrey Tippett, um, who's like the horse expert. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I liked about this so much is um, James Bond goes back to the well so often and they, he's always at like a casino or an underground 
betting casino and they were like oh what's another place where like rich people go and just like blow their money and they're like well horse racing oh yeah and people dress uh, people love to dress up for it yeah you know, it's like it's great i think it was it, a great setting it was awesome it's cool i i think it's the whole horse steroid plot i think goes on for a little too long but i think <laughs> i like what they do here and it's fun to see bond dress up you know not just in a, like a tux and it's like him amongst like super royalty and wealth and um i think it was it was super fun um in that way uh he was like pretending to be a journalist or something james stock yeah <laughs> i love how it's, <laughs> he doesn't change his first name he just changes his last name for things right james stock london times <laughs> you know it's, he he does the minimum amount i don't of know if you know who this is but this is james stock from the london he's like i'm yeah. sorry honey <laughs> that's moment is so fucking crazy <laughs> it's like an episode of television almost yeah it's it is it's so crazy um um so he meets up with tibbet next right yeah yeah so we're introduced to sir godfrey tippet in this yeah and he's like working this angle because zoran's horse wins this race and they think yep. like it's he's juicing but they can't prove it so they don't know it so Tippett's like, hey, Bomb, why don't you go talk to my, like, French associate guy and um, who's been kind of, you know, in, you know, investigating this and seeing what's going on, um, which leads us to the craziest fucking scene in the whole movie where Bond goes to the Eiffel Tower to have lunch with the most French guy I've ever seen in my life. Um, I think, it's, what's his name? It's, like, Achille Ajon or something. Yeah. Um something wild and so his name just... was muzzy okay yeah <laughs> and <laughs> i do have to ask you what did you think of the butterfly show and um did you question what the hell was going on yeah i think honestly like i feel like i blacked out during that park so next thing i knew he was climbing chasing <laughs> mayday up, up, yeah he was, he was chasing uh, you should just Eiffel go back Tower. and rewatch the scene though it's like yeah i don't understand what is the appeal like what is the act it's like this woman comes out on stage she then starts like whistling and it isn't real butterflies that like she's controlling it's just paper butterflies on string that come yeah. out and people are just mesmerized by what's happening this is because these are simpler times john and simpler people <laughs> i mean i'm glad that entertainment least... used to be lame I know, but I'm glad that, like, at least James's look on his face is, like, he knows this is, like, bullshit. Um, but then and not only is there, like, in front of the stage that butterflies come out, there's a man in, a like, a dark suit and a fishing net. And he's just, like, swinging butterflies around. <laughs> it's weird. And that's how Mayday is going to replace one of the guys and attach a poisonous hook and kill this french detective with it it's just it is crazy it's got it's be, wild it's got to be one of the top craziest moments in bond history <laughs> to go with like the pigeon double take from moonraker it's yeah you could you could basically just cut this sequence and oh, yeah. you you wouldn't really be any more confused than having it in she'd be like well wait why are we going after mayday who's being chased now what happened and be like if i showed it to you you'd be more confused it's also so just... like, why would you send, like, <laughs> arguably one of the most recognizable women in the world <laughs> to, to assassinate this person? 
And then Max Zorn is the one that picks her up in the boat at the end. You're like, okay, like I'm a, a really recognizable blonde French guy and a really recognizable woman here. It's, it, yeah, it, this whole part's crazy. What did you think of the um, the car? I think the car thing was kind of cool where he like, he takes that French guy's cap. Oh and it man, getting, it was like, good. Shot. I do, I do want to say it. when, when Zorro jumped from the Eiffel Tower, huh? You well, yeah, it. but she was in, she was in like a Zorro costume. <laughs> <She's> a Zorro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, who is the <laughs> what? Yeah. What? It it just felt like such a weird thing for them to do. Um, like send send one of the other lady henchmen. I I did like how he had a had a. Like oh a trio yeah, of lady henchmen. Like, it was great, you know. But, but I, the other ones, I liked the base jumping. I was like, "Oh, this is some like, this is a Mission Impossible right here." This base yeah. jumping she just do doing, um, and then the way he just jumped onto the cable car like to go down through the elevator was really cool. But boy, I loved this car chase. Yeah, I loved it because it was just it felt. So tactile, like even the more modern car chases, sometimes the way we edit stuff, it's just so fast. I can't like, I can't actually track where things are going and what's happening. And the shots are longer and they stay on things long, you know, so it's just like easier to actually see stuff. And they're just, it was so crowded. There were so many people. There were so many things on the street. He's like hitting into stuff, running over stuff. I was like, this is a fun car chase because it feels like anyone could just get crushed at any point. Yeah, it, it has this very manic, I think, like I said, uh, intro before, but Spielberg kind of esque, like kind of thing to it. Like it felt very Indiana Jones almost in yeah. a lot of like the way these action scenes kind of played out. Um, I did like how the car went from a real wheel drive to a forward wheel drive as it got chopped in half, because like a car like that is not forward. <laughs> I mean, this is something I would never know. <laughs> But it's, it's one of those things where you don't think about it, and then you're like, oh, that makes no sense. But for a movie, who cares? For this movie, yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Also, but... like, the gas tank. Yeah, everything about it doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Like, I like you're focused on which wheels have power. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, like, how is it getting fuel? <laughs> it's fueled on wine. That guy was, like, drinking wine on his break when Bond threw him out of his car. <laughs> he was very upset about it. My car! My car! <laughs> You're like, hey, how, how French can we make some of these characters? You're like, um, Bond doesn't end up catching them. He crashes into a wedding, destroys a cake, uh, almost gets like butchered by like the chefs. They were gonna, they were gonna murder that guy in front of him. Bond had a lot of close calls in this one. This was like the we might kill him because it's just like you know it starts out with a dead double O agent, so that already is enough to kind of make you pause. Yeah. And, you know, it, and he's getting up there in age and he doesn't, you know, you're think, kind of worried about him a little bit. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're going to hurt yourself mm-hmm. if, you, if you're not careful. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then like Moonraker, we go to a French estate. Um, th- those time not in Southern California. It's actually back in France, um, which is cool uh, for all this horse stuff, which him and Tippett, I felt really bad for godfrey tippet here this whole sequence because bond like is just treating him like trash like the whole time it's like oh you're undercover as my my valet and i'm just gonna play that up for everything yeah that's yeah. fair he is kind of a douche to him yeah i feel, I felt really i feel so bad for this character um and he he has a very unceremonious death too at a, at a car wash <laughs> a lot of people getting choked from behind in cars in this movie 
yeah not not as many people getting shot until much later oh later. yes oh it's, <laughs> until... i thought that way over the top by the time <laughs> yeah like... it just kept going it just kept like, going, why is this going. um what was i gonna say uh yeah uh speaking of spielberg actually so we meet one of the people that greets spawn when, when he gets to the thing is like that one of one of the henchmen the other non-mayday henchmen who's played by allison duty who is the main bad girl in uh the last crusade oh you know if you it was i think this was one of, like her first roles here so a couple years later blah 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 um well, uh oh yeah so i wanted to ask you about <laughs> bond's cover name when he gets here mm-hmm. you're like when she's like what's your name like the one guy the one weird looking guy i forget his name but like that the head of security was like mr st john smith you know st john smith and you're like i was watching the subtitles and it's st john smith i'm like why is he saying it so weird st john smith and so i again this must be those things where it's like on set they're like hey you know be funny why don't you just like mispronounce your name yeah. Or, like, let's just do it in a weird way, and yeah. it'll be funny for us, but it makes no sense. <laughs> because he even corrects people as, like, yeah, Mr. John, uh, St. John Smith? He's like, no, St. John Smythe. St. John Smythe. <laughs> You're like, what? What is this? What's James St. John Smythe. James St. John Smythe. Um, I, love, I love his glasses that he uses to, I guess, see a little more clearly through the window. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, I, I guess this is—we're not up to it yet. But I was gonna say, forget glasses. We got to talk about this monocle. <laughs> oh yeah, the, for the Nazi doctor. Yeah, I mean, this is where <laughs> we meet him. We meet the Nazi doctor here. Um, I thought for a minute when you first meet him, because like Bond almost like touches his eye thing. Like, I thought because there's like for whatever reason there's like a non-opaque part of it that's like a white dot and it just looked like he had a big piece of lint on his hair or on his eye or something yeah and i was like looking at it and i thought well why the hell would anyone ever use a monocle yeah especially if you're someone that is spending a lot of time as a a supposed doctor like doing things like you probably just has it in all the time he's not it's not a pocket thing it's not and he needs it yeah, he absolutely needs it because there's a so part where it drops like and he's constantly like, like trying to keep it in place. Like, yeah, yeah probably that like seems insane. Rained facial muscles trying to keep this monocle in yeah. place. It yeah, is, yeah, it is wild. That's how I immediately knew. I'm like, okay, this guy is bad news. Yeah, the the, the whole plot here of there's a former Nazi doctor who experimented on children with steroids creating like super intelligent super soldier basically again moonraker <laughs> genetic <laughs> yes and then t- and then taking some of his subjects max Zorin, i'm guessing mayday and these other people and one of them is called jenny flex which is not even like a good pun name i don't even know what that means but takes them then to the russians who then do their whole thing i guess or funding them and um we'll, we'll get to the russians later but um yeah, so that's the that was the basic plot. The reveal here, overall, is that we're dealing with uh, steroid babies and Nazis, and <laughs> and it's making Max Zorin psychotic, apparently, <laughs> a psychopath. Um, but I, you know, I I liked what I liked about Walken's performance early on here is that I like how he's like charming and kind of he's friendly. He's not 
Hugo Drax, who is so cold no. and just like unlikable. You're like, yeah. I can see why someone like this become rises to become a very powerful, you know, person. And, yeah. and, and um, I could see him kind of being like a, a musk or a like, you know, someone that's trying to be a like, you know, billionaire industrialist that has like a good personality. Um, so I, I did like him in, in his whole party sequence um, and, and him, his kind of face off with Bond a little bit, which is fun. I thought it was interesting because I, I can't recall ever really seeing young Christopher Walken like this. Um, it was fun seeing him not play up his affectations. Yeah. And just speak like a normal person. Yeah. I think I like early Walken. Like is this and the Deer Hunter are, I think, Deer Hunter is probably his best movie as like a young actor. Um, and yeah, it isn't until the 90s. Is, is, and after that, it's kind of he just embraces like the Walkenisms. Yeah. And um, that's like his whole thing now. Yeah. And I think he just doesn't know how to get out of it. <laughs> Or, yeah, that's, or he just that's, that's his choice. So that's it, fair. Made him famous. So you know, um, if he wants more cowbell, he gets more cowbell. That's, uh, that's his. I liked. Uh, I liked the scene when they're you know they're in their room with Bond and Tibbet, and they are trying to like find the listening device. Yeah. yeah, and I like you know he's got his little like walkie-talkie. He's got his Walkman. Basically, he's got his voice recorder, which has like a faked. And they pre-recorded. Bond just berating Tippett. Yeah. <laughs> and then the the naive thing to me about it is that they just step outside. Like, they wouldn't put a mic outside thinking, like, you might want to step outside for a private conversation or something. It's like, yeah. just go outside anyway then. Just close the door. Well, they know outside. you can only put one recording device in a room yeah. at a time. So yeah. they, they, they know once they find the one, it, they're good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that... It also, like, don't, if you're going to have a secret conversation, don't, like, stand out in this balcony where everyone can see you. Correct. Um, um, and then I, like, they also pre-record Bond sleeping and snoring. Yeah. You're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was very Ferris Bueller. Yeah. It should have, yeah, had a whole string and, like, movement, <laughs> so it's like a body underneath the thing. That'd be awesome. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what's... Uh, yeah, we get the whole discovery of like the secret lab that's underneath the stables and how they, I guess, he cheats in horse racing by like getting, there's like an injection system and like like radio controlled, um, which is cool. Uh, there's yeah, it is cool. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I try to think of like, because things, things just kind of happen. They kind of just like. Yeah. Well, the way it's uncovered, too, he's, like, out at night, and he's, like, looking through stuff. <laughs> he's just, like, in a room with boxes in the stables. Yeah, and Bond forgets to put the vial back in the right place. And so the Nazi doctor's <sighs> like, that vial is not supposed to be in that one. It's in the other one. It's because he's too old. Yeah, he's getting, he's losing it. He's losing it. But he's not old enough to jump on that drawbridge to get back yeah. to his room. I guess here's where, where I start to... Uh, like again never understand villains is if they were prepared to kill both of these people why didn't they just kill them when they had the opportunity early on i do like before... they they take it one step further at least and like try to actually kill bond and put him in in dangerous situations that he has to actually think yeah. on his feet whereas like what sucked about moonraker at least what i the part i didn't like was Hugo Drax would constantly, like Wiley e. Coyote, try to kill 
fun. And then when it didn't yeah. work, he would just like walk away. Correct. Whereas this one, he actually captures Bond, puts him in like under in a car, puts him in the river, you know, in the lake, or puts him in a burning elevator, and or leaves him in a mine shaft. Yeah, and 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 does these things where it's like, well, it's like Bond at least has to do some work to get yeah. out of this situation. So I I like how they did improve upon, <laughs> I think, the more cartoony elements of previous movies, um, which is good. I just wanted to also point out that bond i think sleeps with the most women in this movie yeah it kind of undermines the whole like mayday being a really competent character like that's actually not a problem i think that i liked that the fact that both of them were like we're gonna do this for like to as a power play for each other sure whereas like i'm just more talking about the fact that like Bond is like sleeping with four different women in this movie at the height of what is the AIDS crisis going on in America. Oh my God. <laughs> at this time. And you're just like, man, he is not being careful. No. So, um, which is pretty bad. But, I... well, you don't know. He could be using a condom. <sighs> There's mean... no James Bond Jr.'s running around. That he knows of. That's fair. So he sleeps with the. British agent in the beginning in the submarine in over five days. And then he sleeps with Mayday. And then he sleeps with the Russian agent, the former, I guess, ballerina person that was like, um, we'll get to that. And then finally he sleeps with um, Stacey Sutton at the end. Which, so the reason why I think Bond was like, okay, this is definitely my last movie, was that I think on set, uh, the character played Stacey Sutton, Tanya Roberts, said that like her mom was younger than Roger Moore right and he's like oh fuck like <laughs> he's like i'm getting way too old for this yeah which we we brought we brought this up before i think Moore's biggest problem is for me sometimes is that when the women are like 21 or like you know very young and then he's this old there's this like daddy daughter element going on it's not very fun no, and that's just a product of, like, I mean, still today, like, in Hollywood, they rarely, you know, like, beauty is such a young person's game. It's so much better today than it was 30, yeah. 40, 50 years ago. But back then, especially, it was a thing. So yeah. <laughs> yes. that's the problem. You got an old guy and then, you know. Yeah. Whereas, like, when they actually, I think, cast some ladies that at least p- appear to be much older, um, mm-hmm. it, it works out. Re- I think it works better for it where it's like and in this one it is very uncomfortable some of these times and i think we should move along pretty quickly here to to get and let's get to san francisco because well i do want to say just because i talked to you about this through text message the scene where he goes underwater oh yes uh, okay, first yeah. of all yeah, sorry, I, really quick. the the horse the horse obstacle course thing great uh <laughs> like they lift the thing try to trip him all that stuff cheesy great but they put him in the car, they put him underwater, and I immediately was like, oh, this is it. I, I love, 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 love Mythbusters. They did this on Mythbusters. I knew it was from James Bond. I didn't know which James Bond it was. So when it happened, I remembered. Turns out, cannot do this. Yeah. Um, you cannot take, you know, let air out of your tire yeah. and then put it into your own lungs. Yeah. I mean, it's if you have some kind of like a tool or like a way to be able to push the pin in, then you could... Uh, or if you could like disable that part of it, you could 
get air out of it, but also then you have to hope that, A, there's enough oxygen in there. They didn't, like, fill it with nitrogen or other things, like yeah. some places do. But it is, but there's no way, like, the way that it's done in the movie is completely, like, it is not possible. And the only plausible ways are totally ridiculous. So myth busted on that one. I will say, though, from a movie perspective, I liked it. I liked that the way they did it. I, I did, thought it was yeah, fun. I, 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 I did it enjoy good. it. I did feel like, though, the fact that he could see Mag Zorin and Mayday just, like, standing there waiting. Clearly, they could also see him. If, if you can see him that, them that clearly through the water, then it's the other way, too. But they don't. So <laughs> I thought it was just kind of funny how they, they had that one shot from looking underwater up and close enough that it's like, okay, that's, that's a little strange. But, um, yeah. I, I, I like I said, I, I enjoyed that they did put Bond in a dangerous position in which he could drown, and he actually had to think on his feet a little bit. And even though the solution may be impractical or not true, yeah, at least it was kind of a cool like movie esque move to do. With all yeah, that. I it's it's supposed to be um you know I guess to show like this is why he's a super agent because he's like quick on his feet and he knows how to improvise. Yeah, no, it's great. Um. A couple of things to breeze through here. Uh, we get the infamous, or not infamous, but like, so we go to San Francisco where the, we get your favorite thing, blimps. Um, there's I, a, lo- I love blimps. It's great. The, I love. I actually really like the scene with the whole board meeting. Um, and then the one, like, he, awesome. this is where he presents his plan that he is going to, I guess, yeah, we, we should talk about Max Orange's plan. So in this blimp <laughs> board meeting, Max is like. It's just like Moonraker. It is, but not really. In okay, so his plan... just with like the plan presentation. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He has multiple maps made in this movie to exercise what the mission is, just like Goldfinger. But um, he so he's going to destroy Silicon Valley with an earthquake that will cause a you know cataclysmic tsunami and destroy because they want to corner the microchip market, and Zorn Industries will be the premier microchip maker and i it, but what's funny is that that actually doesn't make any sense to no. destroy silicon valley and actually roger debert pointed this out when the movie came out in his review of the movie and it was really Wait, funny why in particular um so because silicon valley doesn't produce microchips they are the buyer oh, of okay. microchips right yeah max zorn is killing his competition yeah no, no not killing his competition he's killing his his actual customer he's not killing his competition if he really sure, wanted to court the, yeah. the, the the stock market, he, he or the microchip market, he would be causing an earthquake in Japan, and yeah. China, and China, Korea, yeah, and he would actually destroy the 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 factories and the things that actually produce yeah. microchips, and then Silicon Valley would have to buy from him only. Unless, like, I guess they're trying to be like, oh, well, they have the source code and the architecture. Like, I mean, but... But that's not what he's yeah. trying but to But the reason after. it works is because people know Silicon Valley is where computers come from. Yes. I Yes. Yes. That It would have been... I don't know. Maybe they just didn't know enough about, like, just how the, the supply chain works. But, yeah, it, maybe it should have been, like, Max Zorin is a, is a, wants to be the leader in all these things, technology, and he just wants to wipe out competing competition. It's just they wanted to make it about microchips, and it's just that's wrong. <laughs> you know, you can't, you don't want to destroy Silicon Valley if you are trying to sell microchips to them because they don't manufacture it there. Anyways, that's my logical rant, rant here with the plan. Anyways, um, but I did like the boardroom meeting. The one guy's like, I'm out, and they just drop him out of the blimp, and 
Zorian has that one line. He's like, all right, who else wants to drop out? I, was like, I thought that was great. So when they drop him out of the blimp, I loved that scene. I thought that was great. That was very like James Bond villain, Dr. Evil-y kind of a, a moment. It was just sort of like this hatch and goes, shoots down. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. And then you can, like, it's clearly a dummy, but I think it still works of like the, what they dropped out of the blimp into the San Francisco Harbor. Um, but it was great because like, also it's a reveal that they're in a blimp. You, you, at first you didn't think they were in a blimp and they just created these like crazy death stairs that uh, turns into a slide that like will shoot people out. I'm, I'm, it sucks that this was not used again. Like, but, you know, it was not a, a part where Zorin tried to use it on Bond. And, yeah. Or he did and he grabs on the rope. I think there was a way to maybe incorporate it instead of having sure. a second blimp for some reason. Sure. Um, I don't know why you need two blimps. It, yeah, well, and, because you because you want blimps, not blimp. Yeah, but if you have a really cool first blimp, I don't think you need a second blimp. But then you're a fleet. <laughs> if you're more than one airship, you're a fleet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because they're cool, man. Because you can be like, oh, do you wanna do you wanna come in my dirigible? Yeah, that's why. Because it's it's awesome. You know, there's only like two active Goodyear blimps. And that's yeah. pretty much it, like, at this point. Because they're only used for, like, sporting events now. But they're so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, this is where we get the forced uh, title of the movie said out loud. Um, it doesn't really make any sense because, like, they're, like, flying across the Golden Gate Bridge. And then Mayday's like, what a view. And then Zoran's like, to a kill. And you're like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> To a kill. Okay. Yeah. Um, man. So other things I want to point out as we get in here. Bond, when he meets up with uh, Agent Chuck Lee at the at the wharf, mm-hmm. uh, I love how his the, the, the secret code is Chuck's just like, can I get you anything, sir? And he's like, do you have any soft shell crab? And he's mm. like, and that's it. And he's like, I think I have some of the back. And then he gives him his, and he whips out his credentials and it's like, Chuck Lee, CIA. And I'm like, that's it? That's the only, like, what if somebody else, like, kind of wanders up and wants soft shell crab? Does he, you know, then, like, take him back there, too? Yeah. I mean, this is where the characters start to just become insane. (laughs) (laughs) Everything about this movie is insane. Um, Yeah. But that's why I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we have this whole sequence where Bond is investigating, like, these water pumps that Zorin's pumping water from the bay into his, like, his mines, I guess. And so, um, you know, he investigates that. He almost gets killed by getting sucked into the into one of the pumps, uses his air tank to destroy it, um, runs into a couple of Russians, because the Russians are, like, trying to get after Max Zorin, too. Um, I thought it was crazy that General Gogol, who we've met a couple of times in these movies, we saw him last time in uh, Four Eyes Only. He's the head of the KGB. I don't know what he's doing in America right now, and the fact that like he has to wait for one of his agents, this female agent, to like have a jacuzzi time with Bond, and he's just like waiting in the car. <laughs> well, you know, he's just he's being a a, a good bro. It, it's. It's like why it's wild. Like why is he? Yeah. Why, why is he in America right now? Yeah, I don't know. Um, what did you think of 
that uh apparently so like for this this russian agent person this was mm-hmm. going to be a return cameo for one, an earlier character that was in the spy who loved me and i guess oh. barbara bach didn't want to do it so they just like made got another actress and just was like oh this is like another story we never explored yeah and that's why they know each other um uh, I mean, this whole sequence, everything that happens with the fire is like basically everything up through then is not as interesting as the interaction between the fire, the police officer, like with the fireman and James Bond. Like that is. <laughs> yeah. And I'm right? Dick Tracy. It's all, it's all about just getting up to that part. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I, so I love the, the city hall fire. Yeah. I mean, the fire is good. The action there was good. The re- the rescue part's a little weird. It's like he's just walking down the stairs and like <laughs> it's like the, the the stakes are so high. There's even that homeless man that's like drinking a bottle of whiskey. And when like he almost falls, he drops the bottle and it's like <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's so inspired. Um, and then the, uh, the policeman's like trying to arrest him. And this is where we would get the scene we were talking about earlier where he's like, it's like where Stacy's like, Sir, it's like this is James Stock. It's like from the fi- London Financial Times. He's like, no, I'm James Bond. You have to believe me. British Secret Service. And he's like, yeah, and I'm Dick Tracy. He's like, you're under, you're under arrest. Um, like how, how would it have helped him at all that he was from the London Financial Times anyway? She's like, don't you know who you're talking to? Sort of a, like who cares? I don't know what her character is or motivations are. Sometimes Stacy is strange to say the least she's like this like wealthy heiress to this like only this this oil fortune that's only worth like five million dollars it was like a pretty crappy it seems like a pretty crappy uh oil uh fortune um but yeah i i, I don't get anything about this character but you know it is what it is um though the craziest part about that scene is the fact that there is a there city hall is on fire yep and what does bond do he takes a working fire truck and drives it away from a fire. <laughs> That's because he's a badass. <laughs> he probably let city like allowed city hall to burn down because of that, which is is crazy to think. But you know, I guess he has to get away. Um, and that's where we get this whole crazy fire truck sequence, um, <laughs> where he's hanging off the back of the ladder and it's getting moved around. I thought, yeah, some of stuff was cool. Um, the cops were all cool. I think it was like that was all fun. Um, anything else no i mean that whole part is just fun right it's like you have james bond and the guy's like i didn't lock the thing it's not secure <laughs> you know it's so it's just um the character felt super cheesy uh the police officer it was like a joke oh um, yeah it, but again we're in the spirit of sergeant uh sergeant jw pepper all these other like just local sheriffs that are right the you know clumsy americans <laughs> right um so i mean all that worked out like it was good it was silly it was funny and it fit in with everything else that's happened um i kind of it's just like this whole thing was like just this whole movie is like bond being kind of sloppy and like just getting out by the skin of his teeth yeah he he does some pretty the way they infiltrate this mine when we get to the operation main strike it's like he has the fire truck he stops one of the trucks that are carrying explosives and he's like, uh, he impersonates basically a fire marshal and he's like, the back of your truck's on fire. And the guy's like, what? And then he runs back and then he just gets punched and then they. Like, it's filled with explosives. If the back of your truck was on fire, you'd be dead. <laughs> he's like, oh my God. And then 
and then he takes they take the truck they take his uniform and then the guy's like yeah sure you're 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 clear to go through and yep. no no one questioned and it's funny when like Stacy gets out and somehow she's wearing this jumpsuit that perfectly fits her that's for a man um, yeah and the, the one foreman guy's like he's like man it's like what are they doing to the, the unions these days they're letting women work <laughs> no and then and then they get into another disguise to then go into the mine um and riding the train car i thought the whole train car stuff was pretty cool very temple of doom esque mm-hmm. this like interior mindset that they built um i thought was pretty cool no reason to have a map built inside of it though in that shack obviously they just needed something that so that bond and stacy could see what the plan was sure yeah, yeah. but um but yeah uh i'm trying to think what uh, the so this is like this plan is so ludicrous the like the idea that there's like this one fixed point <laughs> that a bomb big enough to set off two like a chain reaction of two separate fault lines to catastrophically devastate the entire bay area and sink it at this one single fixed point um and yet the bomb could get i don't know a couple hundred feet away and bond will be fine like yeah i mean there's still what? all that explosives down there yeah and i don't know and the fact that like even if um i i I don't really know understand what I, maybe it's like the, the whole excuse for all this is that Max Zorn is psych, you know a psychopath and yeah. so he's not thinking quite clearly but like you create all this this whole operation to dig and put all those things in and then your your next plan is then I'm going to murder everybody yeah. with guns and I'm going to drown everybody yeah. leaving all this evidence that I've done this. Oh, see, you know, I thought differently because all this stuff will be underwater. No one will ever be able to find it or figure out how it happened, right? Because everyone will be just focused on the city of San Francisco, whereas if any of these people got out and survived, then they could point like, oh, well, we were hired by this guy Zorin to go and do all this other stuff. It seems like they were, like, the the foreman people, all the people working were pretty on board what was going on. None of them questioned, like, Hey, we're no, but that's all the, the point. Is like you don't want those liabilities, you I, know, because then he has to deal with those people forever. Where like he wants to be able to come out of this and then just be like, "I've got the computer chips." Like he just wants to be seen as like this like tech magnet, you know. <laughs> I I don't know. It, it just feels it doesn't really make much sense to just. Well, no, it doesn't. But well, that's why it's good. But then why are you why are you shooting everybody? Like if, if you, you just drown them. Well, because I think they were trying to climb out. But then why didn't you do it at the entrance of the mine? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's 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 super dumb. It's also pretty it, like violently jarring. Oh yeah. I did like that his butler was getting in on it. Yeah, his like had a security guy. Yeah, but I like to think of him as his butler cuz he's like <laughs> it's time to go. He's like looking at his watch and it's just like, like yeah. He's but... like all right, sir, let's He's like the Alfred of like he really Max. wanted to like please Zorin and like yeah he's like I I'm gonna partake in this massacre with you yeah and I'm gonna enjoy it and, and the fact that like it, Christopher Walken's just like giggling the whole time and you're like ha, 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 ha. I think the only thing that would have made it better is if he was just lobbing grenades instead <laughs> yeah and, like just just being just like really insane <laughs> over the top yeah yeah I might as well just go 
all yeah all out with that yeah um that makes sense yeah um did you like um <laughs> did you like when the uh the the jumpsuit is like getting torn off her body as they're trying to climb out and it's like it just immediately goes into her being in her dress again yeah i thought they that do was like funny. an upskirt shot like yep. what the <laughs> yeah they there's some good stuff in here that is also pretty bad but that is one of the things where you're like okay i guess like you wanted to put in the jumpsuit so they would it would it would make sense that no one would notice her but then yeah. then it's like she didn't get out of her dress to get in the jumpsuit and so that when it gets ripped off she's just back in her dress yeah like she didn't it's need great. to be ever ripped out of it like no but i guess they just needed her to be in a dress well they wanted to get that sexy shot that was the whole point of that which i mean that is entirely what that was which yeah. i also appreciated watching james bond fall into the water like this just like raging river below him and just get sucked away that was actually pretty cool with him and mayday <laughs> yeah, they like awesome. fall in and they just like that was very spielberg i felt like yeah. i do i i do like this turn though with mayday and that like, oh yeah it's great it's it's a little it felt a little more natural as opposed to the jaws one where it's but that's like, because jaws is like a frankenstein like <laughs> but, created monster but in terms of like for hugo drax it's like why did you bring him up to your space station if you were going to like then be like hey you're not part of my society like leave, let it, leave him down there <laughs> you know whereas like this makes sense like oh he, she was supposed to die with everybody else inside this thing and that 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 is that um but uh so then her and bond help get the bomb out of the main point where it's going to yes explode. they do she uses her you know super steroid strength that we uh showed before earlier when she controls the horse and when she just picks up that guy like it's a dominant Action. yeah <laughs> yeah she's thor did you know in that scene when when the max is, is meeting with the russians there and she picks up that guy the other guy that checks in on him uh -huh. is dolph lundgren no way yeah so that, uh, that's pretty good she was he was dating grace jones at the time oh i didn't know that and he just showed up on set and he wasn't even supposed to be in the movie and they an extra was the extra was missing that was supposed to do that he was like, like i'll hey, do it want to be in it yep and then two years later he was drogo and in, in uh drago in uh rocky four and then so this is like his first movie wow that's amazing yeah um but yeah like i like i mentioned we get they stop the bomb and then that's where we get second blimp action um you know because i guess again like he just needed a second blimp to for an escape yeah yeah um but you know they get the bomb out saves saves the world you know basically saves san francisco um Bond grabs one of the boring ropes on the. For some reason, like Max Warren's like, let me pick up Stacy here, in this in my dirigible, and yeah. then we'll take off, try to get away. Bond jumps on one of the ropes. He he soars to the skies of San Francisco. You, we have that one, the return of the cop again, who's like looking up at the at Bond floating across. And he crashes his car because um, people did that back in the day. That was such a very interesting thing. Um, <laughs> though I, I did like the white when it wasn't roger Moore up close and clearly in a studio i did actually really i thought all the stunt work was really really cool like yeah like when they're literally dangling that man yeah like across the city yeah i mean just also just like climbing up the steel cables and like holding on to them and he's like just stay there <laughs> she's like what <laughs> yeah this i thought it was pretty cool this whole fight scene here with, on the golden gate bridge with um, the nazi the Nazi doctor, like, 
Uh, it's cool. And then Max like grabbing an axe. Speaking of, we just watched Quantum of Solace where the guy grabs an axe at the end. There's just something about oh, villains, yeah. u- psychotic villains using axes in finales. Um, but yeah, th- this, you know, it, it's not like the most craziest fist fight, but given the situation they're in, you know, I think it's pretty cool. Um, though Max Zorin's death, and I'm going to say death with a question mark because is he dead? He just kind of fell in the water. I know that would. He's definitely dead. I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, yes, like, in real life, if you were to fall. Almost no one survives from jumping off that bridge. Yeah, no, I know. And he jumped off from much higher than just the bridge. But you have to keep in mind, he is a a steroid super baby. He is, but he didn't even go in, like, diving wise. He went, he, 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 like, flat, flat. (laughs) Like,. Whether his body hit water or concrete, it didn't matter. At I that just point. like to imagine that his body washes up then, like like he's still alive on the shore, and he he to another day to get his revenge. And then the and new then he Bond comes movie, back and he, he comes back in Skyfall. No, he comes back in, in. He has a new jaw in No Time to Die. This new one that's going to come out. And, oh my god! And Christopher Walken is going to reprise his role decades later to get his revenge, which would be great. It would be would. amazing if they did that. Um, but I did, like, right before he falls, like, Bond doesn't push him off or do anything. He kind of just, like, like trips, and he's, like, hanging on. And yeah. And then <laughs> Walken does, like, kind of a laugh. He's like, ha, ha, ha. And then he falls. That's <laughs> uh, so good. It's like, after all this, he goes out like that. Yeah. He, he goes out with a laugh because he's a psychopath, apparently. Yeah. Even he's the in Joker. Death, yeah, he's, like, the Joker, apparently. Um, And then the Nazi doctor finds a roll of dynamite on the blimp for some reason that's like in the safe <laughs> and i guess his plan was like i'm gonna light it and throw it this is what they should have done to all those people instead of the guns <laughs> just throw yeah. dynamite at people <laughs> that makes the most sense um but it yeah and i, f- I forget what, oh yeah the bond releases one of the ropes that's like holding the blimp and that causes the doctor to fall back and it then it's like they take an extra amount of time to try to get the dynamite thrown out, but it's too late and it blows up. On there, yeah. Which is so awesome. Um, and then you immediately cut to uh, apparently Bond's been missing. They're like, yep. we don't know where he is. Q is on the case. And <laughs> Q in his rented RV is then sitting outside Stacy's house and uses his little remote control dog. I feel like the Roger Moore era of Q is the most disrespected version of Q there is. <laughs> yes, very, very much so. Like they utilize him the least, and they disrespect him the most. And he's he's more of a cartoon character. Just yeah. Overall, I think he just is kind of this bumbling, yeah, sort of weirdo. Um, I think my favorite Q is is the Pierce Brosnan Q. Yeah, because I think what's great about it is that you have that kind of older man younger man kind of dynamic like whereas like he's more of a mentor yeah to him in some ways and like bond you can see that bond like although he still plays like is playful with him he respects uh yeah Q, whereas and he was also competent like and he gave him things that were important <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting. i actually haven't watched both dalton movies in a while so when we get to those it'll be interesting to see like what their relationship is like in that one um yeah and you know but yeah like, i agree like Moore does not treat Q well, and these movies don't treat, no. treat him well. But no, he treats him like trash. <laughs> but the fact that like he sneaks in on the shower and it's like I'm gonna use my spy dog to like just get a closer look, and then Bond throws like the towel on the on the on the camera. 
And then Q's like, <laughs> and it would be my the way I would describe Q's face when that happens. But um, yeah, I just I I did not get a romantic sense between Bond and Stacy in this movie because, like I said, there's a weird because of the age difference, and yeah. when like because it's weird. Yeah, when she <laughs> when he first saves him at his house at her house, and is like, I'm gonna like watch over you in case these guys come back. And then like tucks her into her bed, and it's all—it's just really weird. Everything, everything about it's weird. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. and so, unfortunately, they have to end it on him taking a shower with her. It's just like, come on. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a view to a kill. Yeah. That's a, 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 a. Other than like all the Bond women scenes, <laughs> like I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's a fun movie. I think it's. It's not boring. It, it allows you to kind of, I think, have a great time. I just love how insane what the villain wanted to do was. Yes. It's like, it's it's great. It's, so. Yeah. What is our next movie? So our next movie is we're going back to the 60s with Thunderball. Oh, I'm excited for that. Yes. Thunderball with going back with Sean Connery. Um, this, this will be a first time for me. I, I hear this is a well- known movie yeah i think i hear it's a it's i haven't watched in a long 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 time it might be a little boring because it's a lot of underwater sequences but who knows yeah um, we'll see it's also the we'll get to it when we talk about it but is the uh source of all the legal problems for both fleming and the bond franchise right because this is the one that caused all the lawsuits well that's exciting though i'm very excited for that um we have our details in the show notes but you are at the john murphy yes i am i'm at christian underscore humes we are of course watch world yes we are and we will see you on the next mission 